Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this afternoon, Robert? Ali, I'm doing just great. Thank you so much for having me on and taking a look at the uh, week that was for the NFL this past week. Yeah, it was a crazy week, to say the least. We knew it was going to be something like that going into the weekend because we had some great matchups, as we discussed on our podcast last week when I was doing picks. So before we break down the games, because we have a ton to break down, let's quickly do a betting recap, Robert. So how did overs and unders do? How did the underdogs do versus favorites? What are we looking at? Of course, yeah. So once the Cowboys routed the Colts 54-19 on Sunday night football, Mm -hmm. of course, that game, uh, the Colts were 11-point favorites. That was an easy cover. And it flew over the 54 uh, points in the total uh, for Sunday night. Favorites dominated straight up. 11 wins, one loss, and one push straight up. Um, Washington and, of course, the Giants, they tied 2020. Yep. Uh, nine and four against the spread. The only upset by the Bengals uh, as two and a half point dogs outright winners in Kansas City. So home teams uh, went seven, five and one straight up and eight and five against the spread. Uh, so you favorite betters finally getting a little piece of uh, of a profit for the week. Uh, totals led uh, to the over seven to six alley. Wow. Yeah, so that was evident in my picks. I didn't have a great week. I was six for seven against the spread, mostly because, as everyone knows, I love betting the underdog, and the underdogs didn't cover in the games that I wanted them to. I thought the Jets were a big, bad beat. They should have won that game at the end if Mike White does not throw that interception. I actually thought the Jets were the better team in the game, but obviously the the end of the score of the game said uh, said differently. But it was an exciting week, and let's get straight to the game. I think that everyone is talking about, unfortunately, for not the right reasons. But that's the 49ers and the Dolphins, Robert. And, of course, the big news is Jimmy G, first quarter, foot is broken. He's out for the rest of the year. You and I were just talking about the other day how the Niners are probably the team to beat in the NFC. Is that the case anymore, Robert? Uh I guess we could dig a little bit into this one. It's definitely worth a, a, a bit of time. Obviously, everyone saw it as, as I dig deep into the box score. 33-17 just tells a little piece of it, even losing Garoppolo for the season to a broken foot early in the game. Uh, they won yardage, offensive yardage. San Francisco did 351 to 308. Third downs, they it, it just was so strange to see Miami not get one third down conversion in this game. Mm-hmm. Rushing, 121 to 33 yards rushing for Miami. Uh, the Dolphins uh, were completely outpaced here. Red zone touchdown percentage, uh, two out of five for San Francisco to uh, 0 for 1 for Miami Dolphins. And turnovers, uh, San Francisco won that 4 to 1. Uh, obviously, the Niners were helped by a late fumble return touchdown. Just a horrible outing for uh, Tagliovoa with with high impact mistakes. And uh, like I said, 0 for 7 on, on the third downs. So <laughs> let's talk about Brock Purdy, Allie. Yeah, and I unfortunately didn't get to see the majority of the game. I was at a friend's baby shower, so I was on my phone looking at updates. And then I obviously watched all the highlights afterwards. But I remember Brock Purdy very well from Iowa State. I used to do his his highlights a lot when I was at Fox Sports, especially his freshman year was the main focus I had there. 
so Brock Purdy, Robert, I know I heard some whispers. Is this guy going to be like a Tom Brady come in for Bledsoe and lead the team to the Super Bowl? From what I saw with Brock Purdy yesterday, and again, this is against a Dolphins defense that isn't good. Let's let, let me stress that. As good as the Dolphins offense is, their defense is not good. But he came in and he performed remarkably well given the circumstances. So I personally think that Brock Purdy has what it takes to lead this team into a deep playoff run. I know there's whispers now, and we'll get to it, about Baker Mayfield's cut. Maybe the, the Niners sign him for some insurance. But I like Brock Purdy a lot. I've watched him plenty play in the Big Ten. I think that he, or should I say Big 12, I think that he's ready for the big leagues. I think that he has all the components around him to make him successful. Not only does he still have the best defense behind him, but he has Christian McCaffrey, he has Debo Samuel, he has Brandon Ayuk, and he has George Kittle. I think they are going to be just fine. I'm not one that's overreacting. I know that probably going up against the Eagles, we'll be having a different discussion, but I think they are just fine with Purdy. How about you, Robert? It's just a weird, weird situation where you look at a franchise and say, well, okay, great. You guys are ready to go. Here's the reins, Trey Lance, off you go. Wait, no, you're not the quarterback anymore. Injury out for the year. Jimmy Garoppolo, hey, what a great, great occurrence. Excellent that you're still around. Now you're the quarterback. So whether or not we're going to see him, obviously, you know, next year is, is a question that we'll, eh, maybe we'll touch on a little bit later. I, I honestly think that Brock Purdy, uh, he did well. And I'm beginning to wonder if, if the 49ers are a just a team that really is optional at quarterback. Like, you can throw in anybody there, and the system's so well-built that as long as you're not, like, completely addicted to chaos, you're going to be able to lead this team into victory. I, I mean, Ali, you, you probably correct me a little bit more. Did, I mean, how many years did Brock Purdy play at Iowa State? Like, five? He was there so. for five years, yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> I haven't been at Fox Sports since 2020, and I did his highlights for at least two seasons. But the kid, he has experience. I know he doesn't have necessarily National Football League experience, but being a five-year starter at a big Division One school is a big deal. And he did very well. I don't know. I don't know. You know, we, we always, too, fall victim of, like, the Mike White scenario. He had a big game against the Bears. Yes, the prior. He yes. did not have a good game at all yesterday. So we do always fall victim to that. I think that I will give it another week before I dub Brock Purdy the savior. But if you were to ask me today, Robert, if I'd rather Brock Purdy or Baker Mayfield as my quarterback, I'm going to go with the lesser of the two evils, if you want to say. I know what Baker Mayfield's about. We've seen it all year. He got benched for P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold. Give Purdy a try. Is there a worse scenario? Would you Would you go for Baker or would you stick with No, him? No, I mean, first off, by the way, if they bring in Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey becomes instantly an ocean of sadness because oh he just thought he just got away from this guy and now he'd be back. No way. To be honest, and I'm digging a little bit, this might be like really fresh, hot off the press, but I think the Niners just signed Josh Johnson. Yes, him. Wow. Uh, talk about, you know, a long, illustrious career. I think they just signed him off of the Broncos practice squad. So, um, it, it's going to be either Purdy or Josh Johnson, some combination thereof, as long as they could just, you know, manage the game and, and you know, make their way into the 
to the postseason. You know, what what happens after then? Well, we'll never know. We have, you know, just have to get there. Yeah, I had this conversation with a few people this morning because everyone obviously is talking about Baker Mayfield. He got cut. He's going to go to the Niners. I said, I don't think so because Baker Mayfield has been a cancer in his clubhouse the past two seasons. We saw it in Cleveland, how he alienated both Jarvis Landry and, and Odell Beckham Jr. Even in Carolina, it didn't seem like he had any rapport with DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson had a freak out. I, I don't think he's necessarily the t- the the guy for the Niners. Listen, he is maybe a step above a Josh Johnson. Again, Josh Johnson, we just talked about, have been has been in the, the league for years. He's 36 years old. He's 36 years old. He's been in the league for a long, long time. He's not making he's not a difference maker at this point in his career. But in terms of the chemistry of the locker room, I think this makes sense. I think Baker Mayfield is someone you avoid. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Uh He's his next step has to be away from the NFL. I, I I don't even think the most desperate of teams are going to be looking, you know, into a solution that includes Baker Mayfield Alley. Yeah, I agree with you. But let's let's before we move on, because we did talk about the Niners again. I'm still I'm going to ride the Brock Purdy train. I think he'll do enough to get the Niners to a good deep playoff run, at least one win. Uh, maybe, I don't know if they'll end up with the bye. It looks like the Eagles will, but they will get at least one playoff win. I think Brock Purdy, I'm going to be on the train for a few weeks until he shows me otherwise. But let's talk quickly about the Dolphins because, Robert, both you and I loved San Francisco minus four going into the weekend. It was one of my top plays in my best bets blog. I know the public was heavy on the Dolphins, but they got exposed this game. So is it that we've just been overrating the Dolphins because they have beat up on bad defensive teams like the Texans, like the Bears the past few weeks? Is this team, has they, have they been exposed? Yeah, they, they haven't had the most difficult strength of schedule. You're right. It, it wasn't the worst of it. I mean, they, they did have to play Buffalo, of course, and then that happened, of course, and then the Jets. But I think, honestly, what – was the biggest failure here was was just their their lack of of trust in their offense um you know for from running perspective Ali you, you got 33 yards rushing and that's because whatever the playbook was it included just I mean look it, it, I'm not gonna go and, and and tell the Dolphins how to run their offense clearly they had you know a, a, an incredible assembly of talent but when you only pick up 33 yards rushing uh, that that's honestly that the balance is not going to be there at all. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, turning the ball over four times isn't going to help either. You, you, this It's never going to work out. Forget about trying to win a game where you turn the ball over more than the team that you're playing. But when you're at a difference of four to one, you, you don't stand a chance against anybody, no matter how good you are. It's interesting because I was looking at the Dolphins schedule because we know with the Bills winning, they're back in first place. So it's funny how much a week can change. Last week we were talking about the Bills maybe being the third place team in their division. Now they're back at number one. And the Dolphins find themselves back in the wild card race. I was looking at their next few games, Robert. They go into L.A. next weekend and play the Chargers. The Chargers haven't been doing well, but they do play well at home. They're still a six and six team. They're still a dangerous offensive team. And I think they actually match up very well with the Dolphins who don't have a good defense. Then the Dolphins have to go into Buffalo and play the bills. You don't think the bills are going to be amped up for that one, especially after losing to Miami earlier in the season. 
And then you have to play the Packers, which they still have Aaron Rodgers. They're still the Packers. They still can pull off an upset. Then you have the Patriots in New England, which the Dolphins tend to struggle in. And then you play the Jets. Do the Dolphins have any reason to be concerned, Robert? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first off, uh, you know, the game at the Chargers right now, if you just take a look and see where I opened them at, and this was just literally hours ago, uh, Miami's going to be on the road, and uh, they're only a three-point favorite. So they they flex this game to Sunday night, good choice. Uh, you know, but with you know, only a three-point spread, what we're saying here is that the Chargers, for a snake bit of franchise they have been all year, um, there's not much of a margin of difference in, in terms of yeah. talent if the spread is uh, is three on the road. Now, if we look at the rest of the way, Allie, it doesn't get really much easier. Um, they're going to be, of course, as you mentioned, at Buffalo. Um, Bills will probably be a touchdown favorite. Uh, back home against Green Bay, maybe a field goal favorite. At New England, it's probably going to be Pickham. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you end the year hosting the Jets. It's going to be less than a touchdown favorite. So two wins, three wins? Yeah, three I, wins I, might- yeah I think they get two wins. I think they, they do definitely beat the Jets the last game of the season because I think that's going to come down to seeding, and I think they're still going to play all their starters, and they're going to end up beating them. I actually think that they lose to the Patriots in New England. I mentioned that they're a warm-weather team going to play in the cold. Tua doesn't play well in the cold. I think that they benefit on that game there. They'll probably beat the Packers. I think at this point, the Packers, yes, they had their win against the Bears, but it's still the Bears. So I see them three and two the rest of the way, Robert. And uh, well, I should say two and three the rest of the way, Robert. And that would put them at what, 10 and seven? Yeah, they get the 10 wins. Exactly. So if, if they have two wins the rest of the way, they get 10 wins and it's probably just enough, especially and this, uh, you did mention that New England game that the the divisional games are going to probably you know factor into this pretty significantly because obviously, you know the New York Jets at seven and five, uh, that last game of, of the season might be really 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 important in terms of who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. Yeah, I think they make the wild card. I'm not worried about that. I think they're probably happy, and no one necessarily is happy, but they're relieved is the better word to say that Lamar Jackson did get injured on Sunday and will miss a few weeks. That's going to be a competition for a wild card spot. The Jets, we don't know what we're going to get from Mike White from week to week, so I think they have the edge there. And then the Chargers, the char- don't sleep on the Chargers. They're probably they're right in line to get a wild card spot as well. I think it's going to be tough for the Dolphins. I think their biggest flaw is that they're going to lose the home field advantage because I think playing in Miami, playing in that humidity, even this time of year, really seems to help them. So I don't think they helped themselves by losing yesterday. We both predicted that they would. I know that as soon as Jimmy Garoppolo did go down, I kind of threw up my hands in the air because I was looking at my phone and said, well, there goes my bet, but (laughs) ended up working out pretty well. So we'll see what what comes the next few weeks. I know that we will definitely be talking on Wednesday about the Dolphins and Chargers matchup because that is one of the marquee games to watch this weekend. All right, we have a lot more to cover, so let's move on to the biggest game as well in the afternoon slate yesterday, and that was the Bengals and the Chiefs, a rematch of the AFC Championship game, and the result was pretty much the exact same. The Bengals did win. They beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs were favored, albeit by a lower 
spread than the AFC championship game. But Robert, does this win for the Bengals and they did get Jamar Chase back, so they were all at full throttle. Does this prove they are the best team in the AFC? Uh, I'm going to still hold my jury in the waiting room on that one. Uh, I, I will say the upset was really spectacular. Uh, pick, won the yardage battle 431 to 349. Uh, outrushed them 152 to 138. Third downs, they they converted better than Kansas City. This is incredible because you you, you figure Kansas City wins every offensive category. Uh, even the turnovers, they had uh, one to zero. Kansas City had the one turnover. But Cincinnati did have that fourth down failure. Uh, red zone touchdown percentage, uh, Kansas City uh, did win that uh, three out of four trips to three out of seven for Cincinnati. Yards per play was even, 6.5. But Cincinnati did run 66 plays to 54 for Kansas City. All in all, this was exactly what you expected it to be. Just a, a battle where the, the last drive was going to decide whether or not you're going to be winning or losing. Yeah, so I loved Can- I loved Cincinnati going into this game. I was pretty confident that not only would they cover, but they would pull off the upset. I've been high on Cincinnati since the offseason. They were actually my preseason pick to go back to the Super Bowl for the AFC. Everyone was obviously jumping on the Bills train. I don't go with the public. I said I like the Bengals. This team is just scary, Robert. I think that is the best word I could use to describe them. Because when they get hot, not only do they get hot, they get scorching hot. And they just play like they have ice in their veins. And it comes down from Joe Burrow, who just never seems phased. I don't know if I would, if I'm a, the Buffalo Bills, I'm actually more afraid, I believe, of the Bengals than of the Chiefs. I know the Bills have struggled against the Chiefs for the past few seasons, it's primarily in the playoffs. But I just think that the Bengals just have far too many weapons to use. I give Pat Mahomes all the credit in the world, but at the end of the day, he still has really Travis Kelsey as the only guy that he can rely on. Whereas Joe Burrow has not only Jamar Chase, but he has Tyler Boyd and, Boyd and T Higgins. If you're the Bills, who are you more uh, more fearful of? Honestly, I wouldn't want to see either of them. <laughs> the <Taylor laughs> well, that's the easy answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I want any part of Cincinnati right now. They've they've absolutely rolled as as best as you can have for for any franchise after that Owen to start I mean it's right now there's still so much that's going to unfold because if you look at the uh the playoff standings right now if, if it went straight up Buffalo as you said Buffalo gets the one uh and home field and they win the tiebreak over Kansas City they're both nine and three they win the tiebreak over Kansas City based on head-to-head win percentage Baltimore is actually the three seed winning the tiebreak over Cincinnati, also based on head-to-head win percentage. Stick in Tennessee at the four, the Bengals at five, and Miami right now would be the six Yeah. the New York Jets as the number seven. So there's still so much more to, un- to, to unfold with this. And right now, Allie, let's just take a quick, quick peek. Cincinnati is um, facing Cleveland next. Uh, and we'll probably touch on that for a little bit. But right now I've got the Bengals as a six and a half point favorite. I opened it up six, didn't like the number. I went to six and a half and I really haven't had any pushback yet in terms of bets coming in on the Cleveland Browns. So I'm pretty happy with that six and a half at this point. But if we look at the rest of the schedule, 
very difficult. At Tampa is going to be probably a pick em. At New England, maybe one-point favorite. Then they post Buffalo. Um, I mean, Ali, I think I'm going to have to make Cincinnati a, a small favorite there. Yep. Uh, and then hosting Baltimore. So very, very difficult stretch down, you know, you know, down the rest of the season. But you, know, you got to play these games. This is what's going to decide making the playoffs and not just right now, everything in favor for Cincinnati as they get healthier and healthier. They do have a very tough schedule. I won't dispute that. I would probably just real quick, I would lean probably to take the points with the Browns because I don't think the Browns win. But I'll be honest with that. But I think coming off a big win against Kansas City, teams just tend to play a little flat in the regular season coming off of that. So I'd probably lean to take the points with the Browns, but my mind could definitely change before then. I I love Cincinnati right here. I think that they are the best team in the AFC, maybe not on paper, but they are playing out like it now. I know the Bills just had a nice win against the Patriots, but even the weeks leading up, Josh Allen has still continued to struggle with his turnovers. So I'm not 100% confident in them. And then the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but they've also had a relatively easy schedule leading up to their game yesterday. Right. I dispute how Pat Mahomes is playing like an MVP. He probably should get the MVP. I think Tua just might have played his way out of it in his performance this past week. But let me ask you this, Robert, before we move on to the next game that I want to talk about. Is Joe Burrow, should he legitimately be in the MVP race right now? Without him, think about where they would be without him at quarterback. He's so, so (laughs) relied upon to run this offense because he's now doing it without Mixon. He's now doing it without Chase. And everything that looked ugly early on with their offensive line struggles looks like it fixed itself. And thanks to that, we were actually able to see Burrow click on all his cylinders. To me, he'd he'd have to probably be put in the top five right now in in terms of MVP for the entire league. Uh, Very, very few. Obviously, it's, it's all quarterbacks, but very few quarterbacks right now are uh, more important to their franchise than Joe Burrow is to the Bengals. Yeah, I definitely agree. He would have my vote if the season ended today, even above Jalen Hurts, even above Pat Mahomes. I just think that Joe Burrow continues just to defy odds. He's never, I remember he still didn't get the respect he deserved when the Bengals did draft him number one overall, yeah. clamoring for Tua. But as much as I do give Tua a lot of credit, because I wasn't a Tua believer before the season, he still has benefited from having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell healthy all year. So I don't want to totally knock him, but I definitely would. Let's put it this way. I would take Joe Burrow right now over Tua. It would be a toss-up between him and Mahomes. I might even take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen, just considering Josh Allen has been totally turnover-prone the past few weeks. But let's move on to the next game, which unfortunately we have to talk about, and that is that my New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. Robert, I literally got to my friend's baby shower at the beginning of overtime yesterday, and I couldn't talk to anyone for 20 minutes while I was at the baby shower. <laughs> I was on my phone. And when Brian DeBall decided to, when Brian Dable decided to punt on fourth and three, instead of going for it, I nearly threw my phone against the wall. I don't know what, this is a guy that went for a two point conversion when he was offensive coordinator of the bills against the Titans on Monday night to win. I don't know why you don't trust Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley to run for three yards there. 
I, I mean, a tie is pretty much a loss to me at this point. Maybe, maybe other people might think differently, but you can't as a giant fan and have felt good after yesterday's tie. What do you think? Uh, once I stopped cursing as, as loud as I could and, and realizing that this, this basically was Dayball channeling his inner Joe judge. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, it was just as cowardly as, as I could ever see. It's just so out of character and it made no sense as to why you wouldn't go for it. I'd go for it on fourth and six. Just it's a reasonable amount of yards to pick up against Washington. Yeah. You know, and, and now if you, if you just look at it from, you know, the top level, Giants now four, seven, four and one, Washington seven, five and one with the game in hand. So there's still an opportunity for for new york to make noise actually and make the playoffs but you, you, that one was was not not good at all i mean uh for, for all intents and purposes the game was as close as you could imagine from, yep. from a box score perspective 411 to 316 was in washington's favor for total yardage uh, the yards per play was you know right down the middle 5.0 to 4.9 Rushing 165 yards to 134. So maybe, Al, if we wanted to see where, where the missed opportunity was, it's, you know, why, you know, how are you able to, you know, just, just cough up so much defensively, you know, for to Washington's running attack? I mean, I know that it's two-headed, and I know that, you know, between Robinson and and Gibson, it's it's difficult, you know, but you got you to be better there in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. I've been frustrated with the defense for weeks. I do understand we have a ton of injuries, primarily in the linebacking core and in the secondary. Our defensive line looks still pretty healthy getting, you know, Leonard Williams back and everything. But it was just it was so frustrating to watch the first few drives and just see Gibson and Robinson run all over the defense. I didn't think Martindale did a good job until the second half where he did finally contain him until that last drive, which. I, I think we could have had to stop. There was a few blown calls when it came to guarding uh, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson on that one. But another right. another big head scratcher for me, Robert, was right before halftime, you have a first and goal with 19 seconds left, and you run a quarterback draw to get two yards. Why don't you take a shot at the end zone? What was I missing? Nothing. Nothing at all. I, I said the same exact thing there as well. You, you, you got you, you have an opportunity to catch them off guard. I, I thought that the pass would have probably been far, far better a choice. Uh, you know, again, look, looking back at it now that there, there's these little little instances that you, you wonder, you know, if, if the gut decisions just aren't the best from the offensive coordinating standpoint. Yeah, I, the thing that I've been reading all today and I know what the media is trying to get at, but it's Brian DeBolt does not trust Daniel Jones. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that the offensive coordinator, like you said, just made a bad decision at first and goal. I think he was trying to take advantage of Daniel Jones, was having a phenomenal game running before that. I blame Brian Dable for not going for on fourth and three, but I don't necessarily think this that, that this – this regime doesn't have confidence in Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had a fantastic game yesterday after his fumble at the beginning of the game. And I know people were thinking when he fumbled on that opening drive that here's more or less the same of the Daniel Jones we've known for the three seasons prior to him and being in the league. 
But he turned that around, Robert. He erased a 10-point deficit. He got them ahead, and he did it both with his arms and the legs. I know he only had 200 yards, but he was accurate as could be and probably would have had 250 yards had Darius Slayton not dropped that uh, that second deep pass that would, would have surely put them in range to score again. What was your takeaway from Daniel Jones and his performance yesterday? Yeah, I, I, I think, Allie, that, you know, there's there's so much that he could do at this point, Jones, that is that I feel that there's high, high limitations to to where he can go and what he can do. I mean, when you look at his current depth chart, it's, you know, it's clearly not anywhere near the top half of the league. Right. Of course, any team that has, you know, Barkley's going to to do well, but you have, you know, Robinson on the IR. So when Shepard's been on the IR, you can't trust Kenny Galladay, uh, Kenny Galladay. You're, you're throwing to Hodgins, Richie James and Darius Slayton. I mean, and, and forget and There's no option at tight end. You, there's none. You, you, Bellinger is not part of this at all. And there's just a real limited amount of offense that he can do. So, you know, I, I used to be the, the first one in line with the, 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 the torches and the pitchforks with him, but there's there's literally nothing at all that he can do to, you know, to, to you know move up some other. Heck, I always say if he can score 20 points, you did your job. You did your job because there's literally nothing that he has right now in, in terms of the depth that, heck, even Washington has. Yeah, Washington has Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson. I would take any of those three receivers over what we have right now, including Dawson would be our number one. Yeah. Including Darius Slayton. So before we do move on to the, to the final game, I want to highlight, let me ask you this. We know Odell Beckham met with the giants last week. He met with the bills last week and he meets with the Cowboys today and tomorrow. Is there any, any kind of hope or anything in your mind that makes you think that Odell will sign with the Giants and be that savior, that number one receiver that we need? I, I think, honestly, he's going to Dallas. Um, yeah. Ali, I, I just think that what's going to happen is that once he makes all of his visits finished, you know, I, I honestly think that this was as strategic as possible for Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. And he said, look, go, you know, do your tour, just save us for last. Because whatever you get, any offer you get, we're going to beat it. Yeah, I think that's exactly what is happening right here. And I, I honestly think that he's going to be a cowboy before we play week number 14. I agree with you right there. At first, I thought he would go with the Bills. But I think if he looks at the AFC, you have a much harder schedule to go through between facing Cincinnati, Kansas City, Tennessee still cannot be overlooked, Miami. If you look at the NFC... I really think, Robert, you're looking at Philadelphia and Dallas. I know that the Minnesota Vikings have still have a, a great record, only two losses, but I still think that that team is more than beatable when it plays an elite team. We saw how they fared against the Cowboys and the Eagles this season, which are their two losses. So I agree with you. Unfortunately, he's going to sign with the Cowboys. I think last night was just a preview for Odell. I think he saw them put up 54 points and just imagined what it would do if he was in that uniform. So it'll hurt, but at least we don't have to play the Cowboys all season and see him on the other That's side. correct. <laughs> all right. The final game I want to highlight is the Titans and the Eagles, Robert. The, the Titans just look terrible. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
but I want to hear your thoughts on it. What did you think of that game? And they did definitely play uh, very poorly here. It's either either Tennessee's just not good or the Eagles are that you know that fantastic. And if, if you look at how it's played itself out, we've seen Tennessee hold their own uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and almost, you know, if they didn't choke up a fourth quarter lead, they, they were going to beat Kansas City with just brute force on defense and, and, and the running attack. But the Eagles beat them. They, they won yardage 453 to 209. Yards per play was 6.8 to 3.9. 28 points for the Eagles on drives of 60 or more yards. Two for two in the red zone for the Eagles to 0 for two for, for Tennessee. Uh, it, it's it, it's just an incredible performance where, you know, Hertz was almost perfect. 30 yeah. uh, completions at 41 yards, 386 yards passing. I, I think the Eagles really are just that much more superior than everyone else in the NFC. I watched the game, the majority of it yesterday, because they on NFL Red Zone, they kept flipping back to that one more than any other game. But my take was before the game started, if the Titans are going to win, they're going to win because of their defense, because their defense was going to step up, was going to limit Hurts, was going to limit the running game. Their defense did the exact opposite. The Titans yeah. really just had no chance in that game. As much as Tannehill played his heart out, it, it did look like their offense was trying. The defense just looked totally bewildered. And I was really disappointed because this is Mike Vrabel, who we know is a defensive mastermind. I thought that the defense would put on a much better performance. I I feel bad because last week I said the Titans are for real. I took back saying that they were an overrated, mediocre team all season. I'm going to revert <laughs> back to that. They are a mediocre, overrated team. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't know. At seven and five, they're somehow still going to make right now. If the season ended today, I think they're still in the playoffs. It's just what kind of a, of a performance. This is simply not a championship caliber team. They're just not right. And right now, so you know, if, if they go into the playoffs, I honestly don't even know if they pick up one win. You know, on the, on the flip side, though, Allie, I mean, look, we touched on the Dallas Cowboys. We touched on the Eagles now and their stellar performances. I mean, they just incredible offensive and defensive performances. Allie, right now, neutral field, Eagles and Cowboys. Who you got? Ooh, Eagles, Cowboys, neutral field. I would have to go with the Cowboys. I hate to say it, but I just – I think that the Cowboys – well, I'll, I'll have a better idea after they play that Christmas Eve game, but I would just lean Cowboys right here just because I think the Dallas Goddard injury really is going to hurt the Eagles against premier opponents more than they think. I think that they – I think that Dallas has a very good front seven. I think that they will stop the run and force Jalen Hurts to throw. And I think Trayvon Diggs will be ready covering AJ Brown to intercept anything that comes his way. I would probably lean Cowboys. How about you? Yeah, don't don't hate don't hate at all. Uh, you're absolutely right. Right now, I, I have Dallas ranked higher uh, than the Eagles in, in 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 my power ranks. And if they play in a neutral field, Dallas is probably a point better, maybe a point and a quarter better. So when they do play in Week 16 on you know Christmas, I'll probably post Dallas. Just a cut under a field goal favorite. Obviously, if you know the Eagles haven't been dogs, you know ever all year long, you know they're going to be dogs here to Dallas. It's going to be short because I know if I make the Eagles 
uh, three-point dogs, you know, I'm just going to get swallowed whole. So right now I think it would be Dallas probably like two and a half. So you're, you're spot on, Allie. Yeah, the only thing that might make me switch my pick in the, when it comes to postseason play is Mike McCarthy will find a way to lose for the Cowboys. <laughs> in that sure. case, I might go with the Eagles. But that are those are the four games I really wanted to highlight today. I know there was a bunch more. Lamar Jackson obviously got hurt with the Ravens. The Lions won again. They're up to five wins. They're on a roll. There was a lot more to talk about in yesterday's games. Obviously, we touched upon a little bit how the Colts were just embarrassed again. The Raiders actually won. The Seahawks actually had a struggle with the Rams. So it was a good day of football. So we're going to move on to our next segment, Robert. And because we just had week 13, I call the segment the unlucky 13. So I'm going to give you a team and you have to say which player game injury or decision made was the unlucky number 13 that might cost this team the playoffs. You ready? Excellent. Okay, sure. Let's do it. All right. The LA chargers, Robert, what might oh, have cost the team this playoffs? <laughs> the Chargers should just call them like the unlucky 55. The entire yes, franchise yes. is just unlucky. They're just so snake bit. Uh, Bosa. It, Bosa definitely would have made a massive difference if he was here for the entire entirety of the season. I'll, I'll go with Bosa. How about you? Uh, I was leaning Bosa, and then I was thinking, well, Rashawn Slater was a big was a big loss. Yes, but, yes. But this true. offense still finds a way to win, and their defense is just so bad. So I'll agree with you. I'll say Bosa going down was their unlucky break of the year. All right, next team, Robert, is the Green Bay Packers. What was their unlucky bla- break that might cost them the playoffs? Well, probably will cost them the playoffs, but what was No, no doubt. I, I think, look, you have to – you got to recognize like where your strengths are going to be. And and I don't think that they recognize just how downtrodden their, their, their offense was going to be from a wide receiver perspective. So let's say not relying on Dylan and Jones to make up like 75% of their offense. I would say their unlucky break. They could have salvaged their season at the trade deadline. If they traded for a chase Claypool, or an Elijah Moore, they were still in the race. I think that by staying silent and not dealing, that was their unlucky break. Because I think, especially in in the NFC where it's wide open, they could have ran the tables. Their defense, while it's not good, it's serviceable. So I would say by not making a move at the trade deadline. All right, the next team, Robert, the New England Patriots. What was their unlucky break that might cost them the playoffs? Oof, um look they've got yeah they're they're I, I have to be on the outside looking in right now I I'd probably say at six and six not capitalizing on games that they probably should have won yep early on if this is probably something that if if they look back if they had some decisions I mean that Thanksgiving game against against the Vikings that one definitely hurt you know it, it, so it's just you're banging on the drum that you are most familiar with that led them to some really, really unfortunate losses that they should have turned into wins. Cause now uh, playoff, the playoff opportunity looks very bleak alley. Yeah. I would say hiring Matt Patricia to be involved in the, in the offense at any point. I don't know how this guy's still a coach in the NFL, Robert. Matt Patricia is 
just he baffled me <laughs> first time around with the Patriots. I couldn't believe when the Lions signed him to be their head coach. I can't believe that Belichick actually gave him a job to help run the offense. Their offense is one of the it just is mind boggling how they run it. I don't know why Matt Patricia's in the league. I think that wherever he goes, they're going to lose. So I would say that Bill Belichick remained loyal. He brought Matt Patricia back. That was unlucky for them. All right. The next team, Robert, is the Atlanta Falcons. What was their unlucky break that might have cost them the playoffs? Yeah, there's, there's, there's no way that – I honestly think it probably just goes back to the draft. I mean, look, they, they built themselves – into a nice little, you know, package. But honestly, Allie, they have no running game. And and without that running game, they're just too reliant on Pitts, too reliant on, on, on a, you know, Drake London, who's still very, I mean, look, loads of talent, very high ceiling, but you can't just say, this is, this is what we've got. We're, we're going into the year and, and hoping that, you know, for the best here, obviously that this, you know, that their, their season ended up, completely upside down. But I, I think honestly, Ali, the decision to not go in with some semblance of a, of a running back room is what ruined them from day one. Yeah. I, I always go back to that game against the chargers where they could have beat the chargers. That would have been a big win for them. And yes. they got the fumble. They fumbled it themselves, running it back, allowed the chargers to get the game winner. I think that could have helped turn their season around. They could have been right there underneath the Bucks by one game, still in 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 contention to win that division. I think the Bucks are just going to get lucky again and going to win it. Let's not forget now you still have the Panthers are in contention. They've been playing pretty well lately. The Saints, they play the Bucks tonight. If they somehow upset the Bucks, which they could, they they have had the Bucks number the past few seasons, they'll be right in it. So I think that was a big loss for them against the Chargers. All right, the last team, Robert, and I picked this team because right now they are the last seed in the <laughs> NFC looking in, and that's the Washington Commanders. What was their unlucky break of the year? <laughs> I can't. Okay, this is this is pretty good. How about uh, thinking that Carson Wentz is your yes. answer at quarterback? <laughs> yes. How and many of those games totally do you wish they had back, right? I, I think that if they had started Taylor Heineke, and I mentioned multiple times how I don't think Heineke is by any means a great starting quarterback or even that good of a starting quarterback, but the team does rally around him. They love to play for him. He seems to have great chemistry with Terry McLaurin, so I agree with you. Their unlucky break was trusting Carson Wentz for as long as <laughs> High five. All right. And let's go to our final segment, which is everyone's favorite. And that is our buy or sell segment. You ready, Robert? You got your support. Always. Everything? It's like, <laughs> this is it. This is where we get, I get to sit down with my knife and fork standing upright. This is it. It's time for dinner. Let's do buy or sell. All right. Let's, let's cut this one up. All right, Robert, buy or sell. Lamar Jackson's injury will cost the Ravens the playoffs. Oh, man. Baltimore, eight and four. And yes, we do need to discuss them not getting the two more wins that they need down the stretch. Um, let's see here. They're going to be dogs now. So look, it's, it's going to be Brett Hundley at quarterback for I don't know how long. Mm -hmm. That's an immediate, immediate three-point reduction 
wow. uh, in, in terms of point spread. So we've got the Steelers as a three-point favorite. I can't wait for this week's breakdown of games, by the way. Steelers are going to be a three-point favorite hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, that is correct. So dog here in week 14. At Cleveland, they're going to be a dog. Hosting Atlanta, uh, probably a favorite. You will probably see Lamar Jackson back by then. Then Pittsburgh, again, hosting them. Uh, uh, probably be a, a field goal favorite. And then at Cincinnati, where you know the game will probably matter the world. And I, I've got you know Cincinnati leagues better than than Baltimore. Um, I am buying. I'll sell this one because I think I do think they'll lose the next two games. I think they'll lose to the Steelers, and I think they'll lose to the Browns on the road. But I think when Lamar Jackson does come back, that they'll beat the Falcons, they'll beat the Steelers, but yes, they'll lose to the Bengals. That puts them, those two wins give them the 10 wins, I think is going to be enough to make to make the play, to make the playoffs. Right. I think the Jets are going to go downhill, so they're going to benefit from, from the Jets losing a few games. I think that you're going to see the wild card is going to be the Dolphins. The Ravens will sneak in and get it, and I think the Chargers will jump over the Jets and make the playoffs as well. So I'm going to sell. I think that this is all if Lamar Jackson can be back by Christmas Eve, because if he's not, then they're not making the playoffs. But if Lamar Jackson's back by Christmas Eve, then they will make the playoffs. That's fair. All right. The next one, Robert, buy or sell. The Lions will run the table and clinch a wild card berth. (laughs) The mighty five and seven Detroit Lions. They're currently one-point favorites against the 10-2 and two Minnesota Vikings. What an wow. NFL season. Um, hard sell for me here. I, I, I love the season that they're having. They're a colorful bunch. Um, they're totally chaotic, which if you've listened to any of the episodes here at Nothing But Locks, you know how addicted to chaos I am. Um, you know, But they'll be a, an incredible one-point favorite hosting the Vikings They'll be at the Jets as dogs. They'll be at Carolina. Who knows? It'll probably be a pick them. Hosting Chicago, they'll probably be a favorite. And then at Green Bay, uh, where they're probably going to be dogs, um, I'm selling them running the table. <laughs> yeah, I'll sell too. I do love the Lions. They were one of my hot teams in the in the preseason to pick to make a run. I, I know when we had our over-under win total segment – I picked the over. I think it was seven wins. I do think they'll get to seven wins. I think they'll beat the Vikings this weekend in Detroit. I think that they'll beat either the Jets or the Panthers. That'll get them the seven wins. They'll definitely beat the Bears. So I can see them getting to eight wins, Robert. But I think they'll lose to the Packers the last week. It's going to be typical Lions fashion where you're going to have a great comeback season for them. And it's all going to rely on one game. And it's going to be against the Packers that have nothing to play for. And they end up losing. That's how the Lions season is going to come to an end. All right, let's go to the next one, Robert. Buy or sell. Jimmy Garoppolo played his last game as a 49er yesterday. Now, this is tough. Um, Look, we, we already knew that they've given the reins to Trey Lance. And he became the quarterback, you know, de facto because of the season-ending injury to Trey Lance. Well, Trey Lance is coming back. It's not like he's out for his life. Um, And so, wow, I am am buying. I am buying him playing his last game as a 49er. 
I think that the market for a quarterback is going to be absolutely bonkers in the offseason, and he'll find a new home someplace else. I agree with you. I'm buying 100% because, like I said earlier, I think Brock Purdy will play well for the Niners. If they if he does, there's no reason for the Niners to keep Jimmy Garoppolo because even right. if Trey Lance becomes the bust that he is, but Purdy is not, they'll stick with them. I think Jimmy G might find himself on the Raiders. I think he might reconnect with Josh McDaniels in the offseason and give Derek Carr a run for his money to start. Who knows? Maybe he returns to New England with Bill Belichick because it looks like Mac Jones isn't going to be the answer. The Panthers are going to be looking for another quarterback. Maybe the commanders might as well. Jimmy G is going to get a nice contract, but it's not going to be with the 49ers. All right. Next one, Robert, buy or sell. The Deshaun Watson trade will go down as a worse trade than Russell Wilson to the Broncos. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm selling. I'm selling. There is no worse <laughs> trade than Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. It might be one of the worst trades in the history of pro sports in the United States. How is Russell Wilson like God? It's like they couldn't okay, beat the hey, Ravens right, without Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Russell, I just can't. I can't even do it. Russell Wilson's like, look, okay, here's the plan. I'm gonna get you three field goals. Let's ride. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're paying me 250 million for it. Do you understand that they just traded Bradley Chubb, the Broncos? They traded Bradley Chubb, and they're still only giving up 13 points a game. Their, their defense is so good. If they just had Brock Purdy, they'd probably be 500. Yeah. I can't believe how much a cliff. Russell Wilson fell down the Grand Canyon. That's it. This is I the think largest Lock would have been a better option than Russell Wilson. <laughs> So, no, I'm selling. I'm selling this. You could fill in the blank with any name, any trade that I don't think is worse than Russell Wilson in the last decade. I agree with you. And this goes back to years of abuse I've been taking from people when I said I think Russell Wilson's just a product of the Seahawks system. I don't think he's a, he's as good as he's made out to be. So I have been basking in the I told you so for the last, <laughs> what, 13 weeks now? <laughs> all right yes. last one robert buy or sell baker mayfield will lead the 49ers to the super bowl <laughs> this was before the josh johnson news, that's fair i'm selling you know who he's gonna win this you know who he's gonna win the championship for whatever xfl team he signs with there <laughs> hey he'll probably be the face of it just like what johnny Manziel <laughs> tried to do a few years ago what is it with like Cleveland Brown first round picks on their quarterbacks and just totally just blowing it? I got a good idea. Here's another one. Put, let's put Baker Mayfield into the prime video booth and let's bring Ryan Fitzpatrick back to San Francisco. There we go. Ooh, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> he looks like he's a homeless person, but I I would take him over Baker Mayfield right now. But now, quick word on Baker Mayfield. I really always liked Baker back in his Oklahoma days. I always saw he played with a nice chip on his shoulder, but he really has let me down. I'd say the past two seasons, primarily this season, because I did have the Panthers as a sleeper pick to make the wild card. And who knows? Maybe they still will if if they if they start winning and they they somehow overcome the Bucks and win that division. But Baker Mayfield is a letdown. I don't see him ever starting a game in the NFL again unless it comes down to 
he's a backup and the the primary quarterback gets injured. But sorry, Baker, no more commercials for you. I think Progressive will be dropping you. (laughs) All right. Well, that is our show for today. Robert and I will be back on Wednesday to recap all the marquee games coming up this weekend. We have a nice game on Thursday night here in L.A. The, The Raiders are coming to play the Rams. This weekend, some really good game matchups coming up. So Robert and I will preview all those. And before we sign off, Robert, any last words of advice for the audience? Yeah, it's it's not so much advice, but again, we you want to talk about just a a absolute plethora of, of sports right now. You know, the FIFA World Cup. I mean, touch on it again. It, it's now entering the quarterfinals with Brazil moving on today, and uh, and Croatia. Moving on on PKs against Japan, it's just an incredible, incredible run up to what's going to be an incredible finale uh, for the World Cup. Between that, of course, College Bowl week uh, is now open. My head is still spinning over exactly oh, how I'm going yeah. to be coming up with lines for that. So I'm sure we'll be touching on that as we get closer and closer to New Year's. So much more to come. I'm so glad everyone's spending time with us and. Just listening to all this content that we're going to keep pouring out for you. Yeah, real quick before we do sign off, Robert, but how about the college games this weekend? I mean, I was watching when USC lost to Utah, and I was like, this is just going to be a fun weekend of college football with all the upsets. So what were your what were your, your takes from college football this weekend? Hey, look, it, it's right now, I, I don't think that there's going to be much room for discussion uh, as to why or why not Alabama's not in the final four. They're yeah. not because they're not the best. Okay, that's all it comes down to right now. So I think they got it right in terms of who the last four are supposed to be. Uh, Michigan's going to be a big, big favorite against TCU uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. And right now I'm pretty darn certain that Georgia's going to probably come close to even as high as a touchdown favorite over Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. From there on in, I think this is Georgia's championship to lose, and we're just going to have to wait and see now. I agree with you. I think we're going to see Georgia-Michigan in the college football championship, and I will be all over Georgia as I was last season. Well, everyone, that is our show for today. I want to thank everyone for joining, and we will see you on Wednesday. Take care.